the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello and welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm so glad you're back joining us today. I'm Jen Bryant and it is summertime. We've been hanging out with kids and doing some fun things and the podcast is still going, but you know what? I'm about to take a wee little break soon. God has so provided for us that we've been able to pre-record a lot of episodes lately with wonderful authors and speakers and a few of the ladies coming on include Jen Babakan, whose new book is coming out called Detoured. We've got Amanda Davison who wrote Dear Wife, which also just came out. Oh, I'm so looking forward to this one. Sheila Ray Gregoire. You may know her as the Christian sex blogger. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that pretty soon and it's going to be fun because Sheila makes it so fun and so truthful, and that is coming up soon. We're also going to hear from our own Trisha Childers, who is getting ready to push out her 2.0 video series of Home on Purpose. Yes, that is coming in early September, so be looking out for that. We've also got my friend joining us for the first time, Sherry Fletcher, who's got an amazing teen program that she's developed over the years. I can't wait for her to share it with you. And then also, we recorded with the authors of Shiny Things, Mothering on Purpose in a World Full of Distractions. So we've got Amanda Bacon and Anne Renee Gumley coming on to the podcast. All of these episodes are in the queue for our fall lineup. And after that, we'll be producing some fun holiday-related episodes for the family. If you have any ideas for what you would love to hear, any topics you would love to have me cover or invite others to talk about, please contact us at, or me, you can email me, Jen at practicalfamily.org. That's J E N N at practicalfamily.org. I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear what you love about this podcast. And if you have any suggestions for change or for new topics or guests, that'd be awesome. I'd always love to hear from you. Well, today we are inviting back a former guest. She was on the podcast once before talking about how God uses your story. She is a natural born storyteller and one of my favorite fiction authors in the Christian genre. Her name is Robin Jones Gunn. Now, Robin is the creator of the Sister Chicks and the Christy Miller series. If you've ever read those when you were growing up, actually, and have introduced them to your adolescent daughters, they are excellent reads. And now Robin has put out her first book in a series called the Haven Maker series. It's called Becoming Us. And Robin and I will talk all about it in this episode, but I want you to know that it was a very special read for me as well, because the themes of becoming were so pervasive and hit every part of a young mother's life that I bet that no matter where you come from, what background you have, you can relate a lot to the story. So listen to how Robin and I kind of unpack this and check out her books. Go to robingun.com and check out the rest of her fabulous books. A couple more interesting tidbits about Robin is that she actually lives on Maui. And as many of you know, I live on the island of Oahu. So we are both island girls right now, pretty close to each other, but, you know, not close enough to visit on the weekends. So I love having her in the same proximity as me, right in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, which is just a beautiful testimony to how God uses us anywhere that we go and that we're never too far away to reach people with his message and for his glory. The other thing is that her books, Finding Father Christmas and Engaging Father Christmas, were turned into Hallmark movies. 
I kid you not. And they were excellent movies. The books were even better, if I do say so myself, because we know how books usually are. But the fact that Hallmark picked up this Christian author's stories was just so beautiful. And her stories are so redemptive. They have all of those themes of, of unconditional love and, and goodness and, and some twists and some character development that is just so true to life and so interesting. You will really enjoy reading her books. So without further ado, here is my interview with our fabulous mentor, author, and friend, Robin Jones Gunn. Welcome, Robin Gunn, to the Practical Family Podcast. Thank you. So good to be here. This, now, this is your second time on my podcast, and I'm so grateful. You are very generous with your time here because the first time we talked about the process of storytelling, and this time we are back. We're back to talk about your new book, Becoming Us, and this is a new book in, in a brand new series, isn't it? Why don't you tell us about this series? Well, I wanted to write about women who are in their 30s, and some are moms, some are single. They're in this place of life where they have to start making friends all over again because some have moved, it's a different season. So it's about women who figure out how to gather together and form community and to establish those friendships that make such a difference. They become like family to each other. So they are becoming us. <laughs> now, there are many themes. There are many types of becoming that you've talked about in this story. The, mo- the first and most obvious one was what you just described as, m- as mothers coming together and forming new friendships. And that I found that to be so relevant to people in, in my generation, my age. I'm in my mid-30s right now. And with each new season, we have to meet new people, whether you move away or you fit a lot of different transitions into this book. Was really curious after I had read a survey from it was a Duke University survey about this generation, and they compared to what life was like just 20 years ago. And in that short of time, the percentage of people who move away from their hometown, you know, when they start a family, they're living someplace else, it's 60% more than it was 20 years ago. So then it becomes essential for young women, especially newly married or young brand new moms, that they find their family. And, you know, we know a lot about that in Hawaii, about Ohana and being able to gather those friends and make them the ones you do the celebrations with and you, you celebrate holidays with. So that's what really sparked all the curiosity about what does that look like? And I started asking more and more young women and found that it was true that there's such a need for not only redeveloping this finding a place and belonging and having that sweet fellowship and and sort of extended family, but it's even more challenging because we're so self-sufficient now, we don't even need to leave the house to get groceries. We don't need people like we did 20 years ago to say, can I borrow a couple eggs or can uh, you watch my kids? Or, you know, there's just such a, everything is done in, in a more encapsulated space with our phones. 
So to break out of that and to be brave and have a face-to-face conversation is suddenly a challenge when it wasn't 10 years ago. In so many ways, this is true. You've hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. I especially appreciated how you brought in the main character, Emily. Now, I would have expected maybe that the main character may have been Christy because of the Christy Miller series that you have and that is very popular and, and widely read among Christian audiences especially. But in here, you introduce a new female character, and she's a little bit more, I, I'd say, introverted and, and very hesitant to step out. Why, why did you decide to begin with her in this series? Well, I was looking at the different types of personalities that seem to cluster in groups. So my daughter is in her 30s, and who are the kinds of women in her groups? And then I went and did some talks at some women's groups and at MOPs, and just watched how the women cluster together. And there's the extrovert who says whatever's on her mind, that's Sierra. And then there's Christy, you know, that personality who's really caring and remembers everybody's birthday kind of thing. And then there's someone who's really always welcoming and, and open and like Jenna Lynn here we can meet at my house and then Tess is the fourth woman in the group and she's not married and she's got this career but she loves being with these sisters and she's saying I don't care that I'm the only one who doesn't have kids I need what I get from you and you talk in ways that are different than any of the people I work with all the time so it's a really sweet balance but then I realized when I brought in this fifth character when I was thinking about who, who all would be in this book, Emily just really captivated my imagination because I saw her as being new. She just moved to the area, introvert, desperately in need of friends, but has to be so brave to even knock on the door and say, you know, that she will enter into this party when she only knows one person there. But the results are so sweet and she's so glad that she took that first step so when i was looking at all the characters because i did think about writing it from christy's point of view or sierra they're so familiar to me but i thought oh no i want to i want to see how emily feels about this to knock on that door and be the one to walk in what would it be like to meet christy to meet sierra would they be nice to her and and what are the issues that emily is struggling with so it gave me a lot of space for Emily's life season and her issues to blend with these other women. She has an older daughter where the ones with kids all have little kids. And so, yeah, that's, that was a surprise to me too, Jen, but there it is. It was like a new character. Ooh, <laughs> what's she like? Tell me, would you say that, that you relate to Emily or that you really had to explore this new personality to you like who do you relate to the most in out of these characters probably a little bit of all of them mm. and then i expanded all of them through my imagination but i actually was invited to a favorite things party just like emily was mm -hmm. around christmas time and i bought my little gifts for the exchange for everybody and i knew that there would be at least two women there that I knew, but I didn't know if I would know anyone else. And I was just like Emily standing at that door going, I could leave now and no one would know. <laughs> I, I just, if I go in that room, I have to make conversations with people that I don't know. And I'm sure that the gift that I brought isn't as clever as the thing they brought. Just that 
We're all 12 year old girls at heart, right? <laughs> we all have that. Will they like me? Will they want to be my friend? Will they, will there be a place for me to sit at the table? And I just realized every woman, whatever her age, uh, whatever season of life has those feelings. Once she goes past that and gets into that room, gets into those conversations, and those women get into each other's lives, that's where the good stuff happens. But you have to be brave. You have to take that first step. Yes, yes. And and I saw you draw that out as as the chapters went on. Uh, we see little bits, a little bit more of Emily and, and new circumstances and new opportunities for her to be brave. But I love that you also have that internal monologue that she's having, you know, if I do this, uh, or if I say this, what will happen or, or, or I'm afraid of doing this because, and I could relate to so many things. There are so many universal feelings here as women that I'm so glad that you brought that out. And the first thing that got my attention was the favorite things party, because I too went to my first favorite things party back in December with my homeschool group. <laughs> And really, truly. And I was going, okay, I'm right there. I can, I can feel everything that's going on in this room right now. <laughs> I want to touch on a couple of the struggles that you took Emily through. You have Emily struggling with uh, being new in a new town, which is what a lot of our listeners are going through. A lot of them listening are homeschool mothers. Many of them are military, constantly moving to new places, having to make new friends. There it is, percent more mm-hmm. that are moving than had been the numbers years ago and it's so great that you have that audience that's coming to listen to say where can we get the encouragement we need to gather around and and have that kind of support so go ahead I'm sorry I interrupted but it was just oh. like, your yes. listeners are the statistic that the surveys are talking about and that's why they need that encouragement Yes, absolutely. And that's why I was excited to talk about this book today because so many nuggets. Uh, so we have a new person in a new place. We have, uh, you show her, she, her and her husband going through a financial difficulty or just money's very tight she ha- where she has to work a job and, and they work very hard together to bring money in. You have her uh, dealing with marriage issues specifically related to the not knowing, right? Not knowing where, if, if we're going to be provided for in the next season. And I know that is a struggle for many women, women wondering if they should be doing more, you know? That and then just that place for her to be able to figure out who she is in this season, because in movies, all those expectations that had been placed on her for so many years with her extended family, nobody knows that version of Emily. So for her to be able to become the truest self that she can be is always, you know, it's always that fresh start that we need. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a key commercial announcement. The Practical Family Etsy shop is now open. Yeah, we have new printables available just for you. If you're a homeschool family and use the Classical Conversations Foundations Guide, the new weekly sheets are here for cycle two. They are fill in the blank and are available for both print and cursive handwriting practice. As a Practical Family podcast listener, you get to use a special discount code. Just enter PFPODCAST19, all capital letters, and get 25% off your cart when you purchase our digital prints. Use the link in our show notes to get to our Etsy shop today. 
Thanks for listening. Another thing that you touched on as, as she began to hang around the women more and what tends to come out for women is as mothers, not only am I doing a good enough job, but wow, my motherhood doesn't look like her motherhood. And, and in Emily's case specifically, where, where you begin to talk about secondary infertility, that has come up a lot because it's something that can be painful that not a lot of women are willing to talk about because there can be a lot of shame connected with that. Why did you choose to place that piece in there? I was fascinated when I was speaking to a young mom who um, she was telling how they had recently adopted one child after going through foster care to develop that relationship and then were able to adopt. And it's such a beautiful story of victory and redemption. And then they actually entered into foster care a second time and adopted a second child, just really close together. So here she has a daughter who is a teenager and then these two little ones. And she shared with me how they came to that choice after struggling for a decade with secondary infertility. And I said, I don't think I've even heard it given that term before. What kind of community do you have around you that helped you through that decade of trying to figure out? And she talked a lot about exactly what you said of there's got to be something wrong with me because I, I did this once. So why can't I do it again? And it was a different sort of pain than I'd ever heard from any of the young women and, and women my age even that had um, struggled with infertility as just from the outset, we have to figure out what's not working, we have to figure out all our options. But there's this different kind of kind of agony when we did it once, but we can't do it again. Why? <laughs> just that it's it's it was really fascinating to me. So I thought, what would it be like to, again, explore a character who's going through that and looking for healing rather than answers? I want my heart to be healed up rather than to just figure out how I can get what I want. I, I want to be whole and be restored. And part of that for Emily was looking back to her relationship with her mother that wasn't great, she was able to go into a new level of release and forgiveness and, and just moving on, just to be able to, to let the pain go from that very primal beginning relationship, mother-daughter. Like you said, lots of layers and, and lots of different issues, but it all came from talking to women and being so fascinated with the things that they're struggling with and the stories they're telling themselves. So I thought, well, how can I tell their story so that maybe those women can read this book and say, oh, I need to tell myself a new story because what I've been telling myself is not the truth. Mm. The truth is what's going to set me free. Oh, gosh, Robin, that is so powerful, the narrative. One thing that I'm very glad that you brought up specifically with Emily's relationship with her mother, and I'm going to quote here, Emily, she said, my mother's superpower was withholding approval. But when I think about that as connected to 
some of our tendencies to be perfectionistic and then that overflows onto the hearts of our daughters it makes me cry because i know i've done and said things to my own daughter that have made her feel less than because my eye was on the goal my eye was on the prize on cleaning up on what whatever it was that she wasn't doing right at the time hearing that from a grown daughter's perspective just really hit me talk about why you chose to make that struggle of their relationship based on her mother's perfectionism it is because that is my mother's superpower Mm. and it still is and so i know what that feels like and nothing is ever good enough or you haven't really become fully accepted by this person that your their opinion matters so much and you can't do anything more or give any more or be any different than who you are and yet the approval is continually withheld so my path to healing and freedom in that relationship for me was just really similar to what I wrote about Emily and how she was sort of made whole in the truth and in understanding who she was and being able to express and extend that love and acceptance and forgiveness to her mother even though she knew it would not be reciprocated but Mm -hmm. she still it was her superpower to give grace and that's that's what grace is and we look at what christ gave to us we didn't deserve to be loved by god we did nothing to earn his favor and yet he pours out every morning his mercies are new And so we look at that and say, well, then who am I to withhold love and grace and approval from others after I have been loved so extravagantly? And when we get in that mindset, we're we're so free. Like, God bless you and God bless you. We're told to pray for our enemies and to bless those who mistreat us. Like, that's our superpower. And so to be able to release that means you don't spend the rest of your life as a victim. Well, I'd be a different person if only my mother loved me. You, you just go become you. <laughs> you just go fully embrace <laughs> all that God has given you. Yeah. And I find that when I give out in relationships like that, and I choose to be the one giving the grace and the love, as soon as I give it out, I, I honestly feel that Jesus just fills me up again so it's like, I didn't, I didn't lose anything. I didn't give away, well, I will choose to overlook it this time. That's different. That's coming from my power. But when I say, I, I have nothing emotionally here, but Lord, I want to give your love to this person. And then you, you pull out of that deep well, he fills it right back up and right back up. So it's like, I, I, can't, I can't give you enough love and grace because it's not taking anything away from what is already filling up in me. I don't know if that makes sense, but it just, I've experienced that. And so I really did want to write that into a character someday. I thought about it for many years Mm. and this just seemed like, okay, Emily, that explains some of the core issues that you struggle with and insecurities. And if that part could be let go, yeah, you know, free, what might happen? <laughs> so, oh, wow. yeah. Amen. 
<laughs> shall, shall we end in prayer right now? <laughs> that, was, that was awesome, Robin. That's exactly what I think is cutting to the heart of so many women. The foundation of that emotional turmoil that we go through sometimes is, is it doesn't end at, well, I just don't feel good enough and I need to learn how to not feel not good enough. Well, th there are always things under that. And there are most of the time relational things under that or trauma or toxicity. Even as we read these characters in a fictional tale, it's wrapped in so much truth and reality. And that's what I love about the storytelling process and why you are one of my favorite writers because you know how to bring real people into your characters and let their, let their motives shine through that. I appreciate Becoming Us, again, a novel by Robin Jones Gunn. It's book one in the Haven Maker series. She has written the Christy Miller, Miller series, the Sister Chick series, and many others as well. Listeners today, I pray that you go and pick up this book or order it on Amazon right now and make this your very first summer read because be all of the themes of becoming that Robin has brought out in this book include becoming a new family, becoming different or better sisters, mothers, friends that we never had, becoming a grown-up version of ourselves, becoming a more tightly knit family or husband and wife team, becoming a woman, and then welcoming our daughters into womanhood. I love that you ended with this, and I, and I want to end this, this podcast here. The women had a welcome to womanhood party toward the end, and that was specifically to their daughters and Emily had a 10 year old girl. I have a 10 year old girl in real life right now. <laughs> I love that my little Chloe is going through that time in her life and um, wanting to find her own significance and what is it like to be grown up and wear different clothes. She asked me about getting her ears pierced the other day and I'm freaking out a little bit. <laughs> but, but, but I thought it was sweet that you ended with that because here we are welcoming a whole new generation when we thought, oh, we need to learn how to be grown up women. But here are our daughters coming right behind us and we need to be ready for that. Yes, exactly. And it's because of that generational opportunity that I wanted to include that in the book because my journey into womanhood was very bumpy with the relationship I had in my home. The curse is upon you and I didn't even know what was happening and you know to, to just see my body changing and be terrified. So when our daughter was about 10, I thought I want to make a celebration. I want to welcome her into womanhood and make it that this is a party for she and I, and I can tell her the, the ancient secrets about what is going to happen to her body as she becomes a woman and to bless her and to give her little gifts to make her feel good about herself. And um, when I did that with my daughter, then it had a ripple effect where she had some friends that she that were younger that she wanted to host a little party for them as well and and on and on well this whatever this this blessing that we have within our power to give again my superpower is the ability to bless and to give into the next generation with an open heart and not holding on to any regrets or remorse from the past it's been forgiven and set free. I'm released. I release others. And so I can have that freedom to pour into the next generation and do it with a sense of 
celebration and talk about the mystery of what God does in a woman's body. I love that that's part of what this generation of moms can be intentional about doing because they have experienced being set free and not being locked in from old cultural stigmas, right? There's so much more information. It's so open. There's so much more that's expressed and understood. But to elevate that, that's it. You bring the sacred to all that information. So great. It's, it's, a, it's an era of plenty of content and information. But as a mom, you get to bring the beauty. You get to elevate that each of us, because we have our own distinct personality, we're unique people, we get to put our own flavor, our own twist on that, don't we? And instead of, and why I love that you, that you portrayed this as being done within the group of mothers is because not one mother is meant to bring absolutely everything to her daughter. Doing it in a community of other women so our daughters can see the gifts and everything that other women in our lives bring can bring to their lives is such a beautiful picture of God's church. Well, I hope that when women are looking for those communities, that they realize how much they have to offer. And one of the things that seems to hinder women from being courageous, taking that first step in and and starting conversations is that sense of inadequacy. I, I really don't bring anything to the conversation or the table. But if you realize that you are uniquely gifted and created like no one else, there's never been another you, there will never be another you, and that you can enter into a new group of women, a group of friends, and be willing to be open and vulnerable and all those brave things to offer what you have. And that's why I started the book with this favorite things party where it was everybody brings a little something. And I'm, I've just finished the sequel, but then that next step is to be willing really to be known by others. Like, okay, I'll really tell you my whole story. So you know me. Mm-hmm. And in doing that in the sequel, there's a gathering where each of them brings a little something like they did for the welcome to womanhood party where each of them brought a little gift for Audra and it, it represented their specialty that they had to give. So when that happens in real life, when women realize, hey, I I have something to give. I have something to offer that other women need. It's completely different than just our our culture of content and um, information. It's that face-to-face, heart-to-heart, conversational, exchange that allows you to to receive from others but also see the deep value of being generous with what you have to give that's where we're going to be okay as a society as we move forward with all our technology if we hold on to that that true communion that we need to have with each other You've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast and my interview with Robin Jones-Gunn, 
author of the new novel, Becoming Us, which is available now. Get it on Amazon, in the link in our show notes, on our blog page, wherever books are sold. Check out her website at robingun.com and visit practicalfamily.org where we have cool stuff coming out all the time. This year, we've had some amazing guest bloggers join our team and contribute their writings from their perspectives and their family lives. So check out the blog at Practical Family. And also, if you are a regular Practical Family podcast listener, please do us a favor and go write us on iTunes. We could really use those stars to basically show people that we're here and let them know that they do have another option for meaningful family messages that can help them to connect and grow and have a healthier home. Be sure to find us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. And as always, Practical Family is here to serve you and families like yours and help you to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Thank you.